And so we're going to have some fun today. I'm excited, uh, excited to be here, excited about the word that I, I have to share with you. you got your Bibles, we're going to be in Genesis 9 uh, together in just a few moments. Before we get into uh, the topic, uh, and I'm talking about honor today, and as I, as I share on honor, as we study Genesis 9, talking about honor, uh, I think it would be uh, important to start there and just honor the, the, the pastors and the leaders of this place, specifically uh, Pastor Derek and Stacy Fry. I don't know um, if you've been here a long time or if you're new here, and it's specifically if you're new here, uh, I just want to, to let you know this is a safe place to, to call home. And, uh, and I get to travel some with, uh, with my profession and speak in some different churches, and I see a lot of great communicators um, but what I love about the fries is they're, they're great on the platform, they're great leaders, but I love how special and how full of integrity and character and how great they are off of the platform. And, and I, I seek out mentors and I, I look at different people for different things and some for communication, some for leadership and and although, although they are great in those areas, I, I look at how uh, they, they treat their family, how those closest to them look to them. And as you look at the fries, you see four kids that love the Lord, that love each other, and love their parents. And so if you're looking for a place to call home, I think you found it. It's called Connect Community Church. And if you call this place home, I think you should call yourself fortunate that God has placed you here in this house in this season to serve the local church with great pastors. Can you give it up and honor your pastors this morning? How many of you would say in your life that, you, uh, that you've dealt with some difficult people? <laughs> if you're not raising your hand, you are the difficult person, by the way. And so we've, we just have difficult people. We have negative people. We have critical people. We have rude people. We live in a day and age where customer service no longer exists, where you don't just get to go in and be greeted with a smiling face, and I'm going to pay some money, and you're going to provide a service, and we're going to have a great encounter. It doesn't exist. People are crazy. People are crazy. And I want to talk to you today about how we treat people. And I'll talk to you about it from the, the topic of honor that we are called to honor people. See, what happened a couple thousand years ago, and we, we learned about it this morning as we got ready for communion, is that Jesus came on the scene and died in our place, that he died for you and for me, that the, the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, God the Father, sent his one and only Son to die for you and for me. And what that tells me is that we, as people, as individuals, have value to God. Because he paid everything for you. When you value something, how much is something worth? It's, it's worth what you're willing to pay for it. And he paid everything. And so people have value to God. And I remember when, when I learned the concept of honor, I had this aha moment or this before and after experience where there was before I realized how valuable I was and that Jesus gave everything to, for me. And then I realized how valuable the people around me were, the rude people and the critical people and the negative people, the great people. It didn't matter that God died for people, for God so loved the world, not just the easy ones, not just the ones that we like, everybody. It was a before and after experience, and there's before Jesus on the cross, and then there's after, and people have value. Therefore, we need to value them. It's before and after experience. You know, in America, 2017, we love a good before and after experience, right? HGTV, any HGTV fans in here? 
Man, I don't really love it, but I've had to watch a lot of it. I've been at the dentist's office seven times this year. I, had, I went in for a cleaning, came out with a filling done poorly, two root canals later, a crown later, that I'm still here with some tooth pain today. And I have seen a lot of HGTV, and we love the remodel. We love the before and after. You, you go on, you got house hunters, you got, you got uh, property brothers. You can, did you know that in 2017 that you can go buy a $1.8 million house if you have a part-time job at Starbucks and you chase butterflies for a living? I mean, you can do that. You've seen those shows. It is stupid. They're like, I don't work, but I have a $1.8 million budget. No, you don't. They found you at a casting call, and you're standing here today. Reality TV, not real people. Those people are not doing those actual remodels. That's a company that comes in. Because if you try to remodel your own home, you realize you can't make it look like that. <laughs> but we love the before and after. Physically speaking, the, the, the fitness infomercials, we love a good before and after. 2 a.m., you see seven-minute abs. Before, you look like this. After, after seven days, seven minutes a day, you look like this. That's great, except that's a different person. <laughs> different race, different gender, different hairline. That guy was bald, now he has hair. Are you selling seven-minute abs and hair transplant? Is that what we're doing here? Some plugs. We love the before and after. We love it. How many married people got here? Any, any married couples in here? I'm going to help, help uh, bring some perspective to single people. You need to know that there's a before and after in marriage. There's before and there's after, and everything changes. See, before you're married, you plan these things called dates, and you get flowers, and you make reservations at a nice restaurant, and you're going to go out, and you're going to plan it, and you're going to be excited about it. You're going to go to the front door. You're going to knock or ring the doorbell. You're going to hand her flowers. You're going to go out, and what's going to happen before you're married is you're going to go to the same side of the car. You're going to open the car door for her. You look beautiful tonight. You're going to shut the car door. After you're married, you're going to cancel that date three times because the kids had homework or problems or something came up at work. Then you're going to say things like, what do you want to eat tonight? And your wife is going to say she doesn't care. That's a trick. <laughs> she does care. Because you're going to say, what about this? And she's like, nope. What about this? Nope. What about this? Nope. I thought you didn't care. Why don't you just tell me where you want to eat? A little communication issue we have going on at the Daily Household, if you can't tell right now. Then after you're married, you, you go out, you have, you have a nice dinner that you've been waiting months to have. You walk out, and instead of walking to the same side of the car, you walk to different sides of the car. Make eye contact with your wife. You can tell she's disappointed. You say, babe, we build this thing on Christ, not chivalry. Open the door. You're fine. You're fine. Before... And after, before you're married, you, you get a Netflix, you, you rent a movie, and you never finish the movie. If you're Christians, you're just talking about the things of the Lord and look into each other's eyes. And, but if you were like me, just barely saved, you're pushing the line a little bit, you never finish the movie because you just can't keep your eyes or your, your hands off each other. It's okay to be honest in church. After you're married, you still never finish the movie because you're both asleep. That's so true. Got one more. Before you're married, you go out to that, that same restaurant, and, and it's, it's a great evening. You've had a, you've had a blast. You've, you, you've, you've eaten uh, a great meal, uh, and, and, and maybe just happened to be a little too spicy. And before you're married, you got that, you got that feeling. 
that danger zone feeling, you know what I'm talking about, where you're like, I don't know what's going to happen. And you go to the car and you open the door for her and then you drive as fast as you can and you're sweating and you're like, just can this date be over? I want to really impress you. I think that I really like you. And you just can't wait for her to leave because you're hurting. She leaves and you feel so much better. After you're married, that same feeling comes over you. You, you rush to the car, you lock the doors, you lock the window. You're welcome. Before and after. I want to go on a journey together today. Before and after how we treat people. There's before we realize that God values them infinitely. And we treat people how they treat us. And after we see people through the lens of the cross. After we see people that have infinite value to our Father in heaven. We've got to treat them differently. We've got to choose honor. And honor, church, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Honor is about what you decide, not what they deserve. I'm going to decide to honor. What is honor? Let's look at it real quick. Let's look at it in the original language. In the Hebrew, the word for honor would be kabah. Or in the Greek, the New Testament, it was t-me. And that means to to have weight or value, to, to give worth to something. On the contrary, dishonor means to treat as common or to not show respect or value. I need you to hear today that that honor is a a posture of our heart. It is a perspective, but it's also meant to be lived out in our actions, that we're called to honor people. So who do we honor? Who do we honor? I'll give you three things on real practical who we honor. We honor up. We honor authority. The the word here, if you're taking notes, that you could write down is, is submission that we submit to earthly authority. Ultimately, we submit to God's authority, that we're not in a democracy, we're in a kingdom, and we have a king, and his name is Jesus, and we, we submit to his authority. But there's also delegated authority, that our, our law enforcement, our, our local politicians, our pastors, our leaders, our bosses, hey, our president, the ones we voted for and the ones we didn't vote for, are deserving of honor, not because of their actions, but because God placed them there. We believe the scripture is true. All authority is placed by God. And when you submit to authority, hey, church, submission happens when you don't agree. It doesn't take submission when you agree. That's easy. Of course you, yeah, of course I'll follow. I agree. Submission is a choice when we disagree with them, but we give them honor because we've decided to do it because God blesses honor. And God curses dishonor. That's what we're going to talk about today. We, we honor up. Secondly, we honor around. We honor our, our friends and our family, our peers, our coworkers, fellow classmates. We, we honor around. This, the word here is to serve. That we serve those around us. That we don't look for people to serve us, but we look for ways to serve other people. We honor around. And then thirdly, we honor down. That we seek to help those that are less fortunate. It's easy to honor up. It's easy to honor up an organization because we want to be promoted. We want to be noticed. We, we, we want to be uh, uh, affirmed in our job. It's easy to honor around because those peers can help us. They can add value to our life. That's why they're a peer or a friend because we pour into them and they pour into us. But when we honor down, I think that we're never more like Jesus Christ than when we honor down because we serve and we honor and we love those that can do nothing in return for us. So we honor up, we honor around, and we honor down. Why? Because God blesses 
honor. Let's go to Genesis 9. Let's read some scripture this morning together. Genesis chapter 9. Let's read three verses uh, in uh, the NLT, three or four, starting in verse um, uh, 18. Let's jump down to verse 20. It says, after the flood, Noah began to cultivate the ground, and he planted a vineyard. Let's stop right there. Let's just give you some context to Noah. Remember Noah in the Old Testament? Noah was the guy that built the big boat. And uh, he was told by God that God was going to destroy the earth because of their sin, because of, uh, uh, of them turning their back on him. And he was going to save Noah and his family. He gave him clear instructions to build this humongous boat and to get all the animals on there. And, and he, said, so he said, I'm going to save you. And I read the scripture sometimes and I forget that these men and women that we read about, that we follow, that we learn from, they didn't have the end of the story when they started. You know what I mean? We, we read it like a childhood story. We're like, yeah, Noah followed God and he listened and he built the ark. Noah was building a boat. The problem is nobody had ever seen a boat before because it had never rained. There was no context to needing a boat. What do you mean it's going to flood? What is a flood? It's going to rain a lot. That's great. What is rain? Noah was the crazy guy that bought a field and started building something that nobody had ever built before. Amazing man of faith. Amazing obedience and, and following the instructions of God. And we're going to see today that even a great man of God and, and, and great women of God, we have highs and we have lows. We have seasons where we're, where, where we're running the race God has for us and we have seasons where we make mistakes. And that's where we're going to find Noah right here. After the flood, he began to cultivate the ground. Let's keep reading verse 21. One day he drank some wine he had made and he became drunk and lay naked inside his tent. The Bible is PG-13, by the way. We have great kids ministry downstairs if you would like to take advantage of that. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw that his father was naked, whoops, there it is again, and went outside and told his brothers. Then Shem and Japheth took a robe, held it over their shoulders, and backed into the tent to cover their father. As they did this, they looked the other way so they would not see him naked. When Noah woke up from his stupor, he learned what Ham, his youngest son, had done. Then he cursed Canaan, the son of Ham. What we see here is that God, he blesses honor, but he curses dishonor. He curses it. Verse 20, it said, after the flood. And a lot of times we think that we're only attacked when we're at the bottom of the valley. A lot of times we think we're only attacked when things are going bad. But can I just tell you that, that sometimes the, the most susceptible you are to an attack is right after your greatest victory? Noah just came off of 40 days. Noah just came off of a trial, but he, he, he won. He, he was right. He saved his family. He, he saved the, the, the future of the earth by his obedience. He received the promise and the rainbow that, that God was going to bless him and, and never curse his generation, never curse people in that way again. He was coming off an amazing moment, and the very next thing he did was fall into sin. Why? Because sometimes in our greatest victories... Sometimes in God's greatest victories of our life, we'll begin to take the credit. And you got to know that Noah just sat around and said, man, I did pretty good. I counted a lot of animals. There's a lot of organization. That was a great Excel spreadsheet right in the dirt that he made. He was impressed with himself, took credit, relaxed, and fell into sin. We find him in a place of dishonor. 
That's why this story is so powerful, because honor is not what people deserve. It's what we decide, because two of his sons chose honor. One of his sons chose to give his father what he deserved in dishonor. Dishonor is cursed by God. What happened? Ham was cursed. His descendants through Canaan were cursed. And what you need to know is that, that when we dishonor, we bring about the, the, the judgment of God. Dishonor disrupts God's plan for your life. And here, here's what it looks like. You, if you know history, you may be pushing back to this because if you've studied history, you know the descendants of Canaan produced some pretty good things. Like actually some pretty amazing worldly things. We have the Egyptian empire that came from the descendants of Canaan. So the pyramids, some great technology, some amazing feats of mankind. The Assyrian empire, one of the largest empires in the world. The Babylonian empire, all descendants of Canaan. You may think, well, I thought he was cursed. How is there so much success from Ham's descendants? Because sometimes we get confused with success and God's blessing. You can have good things of this world. In fact, three of the greatest kingdoms in history came from him. You can have good earthly kingdoms and good earthly kings if you choose dishonor. But the only one true king, Jesus Christ, came from the line of Shem. So you can have good things of this world with dishonor, but you can only have the great things of God when you choose to honor and be blessed by God. I would rather... I would just rather choose honor and be blessed and have great things not only in this life but for eternity than to have the things that I build and invent wash away because I chose to dishonor people. I choose honor. So to honor someone, what do we do? Let's get practical for just a few moments together this morning. To honor someone, there are three things that we need to do. First, to honor someone, we need to honor them publicly and privately. To honor someone, we need to honor them publicly and privately. Let's look at verse 22 and 23 together and read along in Scripture. Ham, the father of Canaan, saw that his father was naked and went outside and told his brothers. If you think about the context here, telling his brothers, everybody had just died, and so it's pretty much just family. So when Ham went out and told his brothers, he pretty much told everyone. Like, that was like a Facebook post that was public. It wasn't just shared to friends. It wasn't a private message. It was a, an Insta story for everybody to see. He, he went out and he told everybody. He, he dishonored his father publicly. Instead of seeing where his father was and, 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 and meeting him there and taking care of him, he chose dishonor. We do this today. Here's what it says in Matthew 5. It says, but the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. A lot of times how we treat people and how we honor people and how one of the greatest tests to your character is what is your response when other people fail? Like, does it make you feel better? That reveals some insecurity. If you feel better, if you have to tear other people down for yourself to feel better, that is a sad way to live. It's a sad way to live we got to honor publicly and privately. Here's what it looks like in the church. I, I don't know if it's like this at your church, but it's like this at my church. We, we choose dishonor, uh, to dishonor publicly, and here's what it looks like. It looks like gossip, but we, but we frame it or we code it in prayer. We just start texting people. Got a little prayer chain going. We should be praying for so-and-so. Did you hear about their marriage? Like, did you hear what she did or what he did? 
And I heard their business wasn't doing very good. We should be praying for them. We should be praying. We should be praying. The problem is nobody's actually talking to the person that's hurting, the person that's going through it. And ain't nobody praying. We're just talking about praying. We're just spiritualizing our gossip. Let me tell you about what I heard, but make me and you feel better about it while we say we're going to be praying for them. But nobody's helping or praying. (laughs) That may just be in Orlando, but by the faces I see out there, it's not. Here's what gossip does. Here's why it's so dangerous. So dangerous. How many of you uh, still get the newspaper? Four. (laughs) Kids' newspapers, back when they used to print this thing with a typewriter on paper, and the black stuff would get on your fingers, and every once a week you'd get ads for coupons, and it was amazing. Now we have the Internet. I don't get the paper. If you still get the paper, I'm actually (laughs) kind of curious about you. But anyways... (laughs) Remember in the paper, you'd have the front page story, right? Front page news. That was where you wanted to be. You wanted to be on front page news unless it was a bad news story. And in 2017, we love some bad news. Like we, it's what sells papers. It's what sells magazines. what sells uh, uh, advertisement on the Internet. We love bad news. So breaking news, uh, uh, if you don't get the paper, it'd be the, 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 the ticker on the bottom of CNN or MSNBC or Fox News. It would it'd be what's going along. Breaking news, breaking news story. So-and-so did this. The problem with news now is it's very rarely factual, and we'll find out that what was said wasn't true. And in the paper, what they used to do is they do front-page news. Here's the story, headline, big picture, bold print. When they would figure out that they were wrong, that they may have missed some information, what they would do is they would issue a back page retraction to the story that nobody ever read. Here's what it looks like in the church. You have a problem with a small group leader. You have a problem with a friend or or, or a team member. Maybe you have a problem with Pastor Derek. You have a problem with something he said, something he did. And what you go is you go and start a prayer line because we all need to be praying for Pastor Derek. Did you hear what Pastor Derek did? Did you hear what he said last week? Did you hear what's going on at the church? And we begin to talk about our issue with our pastor to everybody. Front page news with our problem with Connect Church. The thing about the gospel and the thing about a healthy church like Connect Church is your issue, if you're a member here, it's going to get fixed. There's going to be some, uh, 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 some restoration. There's going to be a path to redemption for your relationship. You're going to have a one-on-one conversation with PD or with, 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 with Stacey or with, with Devin or with another pastor or a small group leader. You're going to fix that. But the problem is your gossip went out in front page news for everybody to hear, but your restoration is a back page retraction and your your restoration never gets back to those same people. So now dozens, if not hundreds of people have a problem with your pastor or your church or your small group leader because you let your mouth speak out of turn and dishonored them publicly. It's the same in our marriages. It's the same with our kids. It's the same with our, parent, or our kids' teachers and coaches. We voice the problem so freely, and yet we never get back and talk about how the relationship was restored. And now people have a perception problem of the people we love. And why do they have that problem? Because we dishonor them publicly. We've got to honor people publicly, and we've got to honor people privately. And the question here for us is how do we talk about people in our homes? How do we talk with people at the dinner table or with our spouses? Are we choosing to honor people? 
If God honors people, then we should honor people. The second thing that we need to do to honor someone, to honor someone, we have to cover their weaknesses. We have to cover their weaknesses. Here's what it says in verse 23 as I attack the podium. Maybe you didn't see that. Shouldn't have, shouldn't have called attention to it if you didn't see it, right? This podium wouldn't stand a chance because I'm swole and it's made of glass. I actually don't even work out. I just wear really tight clothes. This is an extra large shirt with women's small sleeves. <laughs> that was funny. You missed it. That was our moment together. I planned it. I set up for it. I was like, we're going to have a moment right here with 17 minutes and 32 seconds left. And you missed it. Come back for the next service and we'll have another one. <laughs> Let's keep reading. That's so stupid. I'm so sorry. Then Shem told, uh, and Japheth, they took a robe, held it over their shoulders, and backed into the tent. They took a robe because Ham went out, saw his father in his sin and his shame and his dishonor. He went out and told everybody, look at how stupid dad is. But the older brothers chose honor. They took a robe in and they covered their father's shame. They covered their father's weaknesses. They covered his dishonor. When you see people at their worst, you have one or two options. You can point out their worst or you can remind them of God's best. And can we just be a church that doesn't expose weaknesses and doesn't expose people when they're making mistakes, but that we choose to cover their weaknesses? We all have weaknesses. I have weaknesses. If you came to my church, you would see, man, I don't like this and I don't like that. I have flaws. I make mistakes. It's a personal goal that you never find me drunk, naked in a tent. Like, that's just a bar's real low, just a real low bar for my church, but that's not going to happen. But there are things that we don't do well at Action Church. And I can just be honest with you, and, and hopefully this doesn't offend any of the leadership here. There are things at Connect Church that you could probably poke some holes in. There are some weaknesses, because we're building God's church, but we're made up of imperfect people. And there's some things that, that, that could be dishonorable. There's some things that, that could be uh, a, 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 a mistake or there could be a gap that, that, that would, would prove to be a weakness. And you have an option, church. You can sit on the sidelines and you can criticize and you can expose or you can take a robe and you can cover the weaknesses. Here's what it looks like. You sit in the seats of a, of a church like this that's growing and reaching a community. You say, why don't we do this? Or I wonder why we don't talk about that. Or I wonder why we don't take care of this group of people. Or I wonder why we don't start this outreach or start this ministry. And you just sit back and you expose all of the problems. What if they are problems or weaknesses because you haven't filled that spot yet? You haven't covered the gaps. You haven't gone to a next step class and say, you know what, that ministry doesn't exist yet because I was the one that called, called to start it. You say, why don't we do this? And I would say, we don't do it because you haven't started it yet. We don't we don't have that strength yet because it's been a weakness because God put you in the body of Christ to play that role. Why don't you stop criticizing and exposing and pick up a robe and cover some weaknesses? This church would be so much better if we begin to just cover. That I'm not going to celebrate when somebody falls. No, I'm going to get down and I'm going to love them and care for them and remind them that that's not who they are. That's a mistake they made, but that's not what they're defined by. They're defined by the cross and I'm going to point them back to what Jesus has for their life. Cover weaknesses. We've got to honor publicly and privately. We've got to cover weaknesses. Thirdly and finally, we have to be genuine. Our honor, it, it has to be genuine. It's got to be real. 
You know, I grew up in uh, Birmingham, Alabama, in the South, and there's a rumor going around that we are friendlier than you. <laughs> I don't know if you ever heard that before, but it's not true. It's not true. We're not friendlier. We're just fake. <laughs> it's true. I'll illustrate. Uh, if you're at a grocery store getting some, uh, some things for the house and, and you're there and you see a young family, you're behind them in the line. See, if, if, I'm, in, if I'm in the Northeast, you're just going to call it like it is. Like, that baby's ugly. And you're going to say, that baby's ugly. I'm sure, I'm sure it has a great personality. I'm sure it's going to be brilliant. But it's awkward looking. In the South, we would say things like, look at that baby. Man, bless her little heart. Isn't she sweet? And then they'd walk away, and we'd look at each other, and that baby is ugly. <laughs> just fake. Your honor can't be fake. It, it can't be just lip service. It can't be a yes, sir, yes, ma'am in the office and walking out saying, you won't believe what they talked about. Honor is a posture of our heart when we choose to just say, God, I choose to honor this person because of their leadership in my life. I choose to honor them because I love them. I choose to honor them, more importantly, because you love them. My honor has to be genuine. Here's what it says in the scripture in this last verse together that we'll illustrate in verse, uh, second half, verse 23. It says, then Shem and Japheth, they took a robe, we talked about that, to cover weaknesses. They held it over their shoulders and they backed into the tent to cover their father. As they did this, they looked the other way so they would not see him naked. Here's what it looks like. They grabbed the robe and they backed into the tent. So publicly, everybody could see they were doing it differently than Ham. They were doing it differently than their younger brother. They weren't choosing dishonor. They were choosing honor. They had the robe, and they backed in the tent. That means everybody publicly can see their honor. They can see how much they value their father. They can see them doing the right thing. But when they got into the tent, nobody could see anything anymore. So at that moment, it could have been just lip service. It could have been just for effect. It could have been just for appearance. But the Bible says when they got into the tent, they did what? They looked the other way. It wasn't something just to be seen. It was a posture of their heart and their honor was true and it was genuine. And they met their father in his sin and in his dishonor and they chose to honor him anyway. Not because his actions deserved it. And some of you are, are not honoring people because you think that you're gonna condone their behavior or cleanse them from their sin. Only God can do that. Let me take the pressure off. I'm not asking you to be judge and jury. I'm choosing you to treat people well because God gave everything for them. I was traveling back from a trip recently. This was earlier in the year. And I was coming back from LA on a uh, red eye. We had a layover in Atlanta. And if you've ever been on a red eye before, they are miserable. <laughs> like, if you can do anything else, don't take a red eye. Like, it's literally like a day and a half of just torture. You don't sleep. You, you hate everybody in the same row as you. Like, why are you slobbering on me? Why are you snoring? Why did you just ring the call button? Why do you have to go to the bathroom after I just fell asleep? This is just all things that happen on a red eye. We get to Atlanta, and we need some coffee, some caffeine. And, uh, and we just need our, our spirits lifted. Sometimes, you know, Chick-fil-A and Starbucks can lift your spirits almost as good as the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. A good flat white and some chicken minis can do your soul good. And you just need to know that uh, the Chick-fil-A calories don't count. That's God's chicken. It's anointed with the oil, the peanut oil of gladness. It's the land of milk and honey. You know, when manna fell... In the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, it was Chick-fil-A, just so you're <laughs> clear. That is theologically sound. <laughs> 
We're in the Starbucks, and, uh, and I go to order my drink. I order a, a grande flat white. If you're ever in Orlando, you want to stop by our office and bring me a coffee, that'd be amazing. And so it's a grande flat white, hot. Um, and so I order my drink. I have two guys traveling with me, Tyler and Parker, and, uh, and we're in this Starbucks, and they order uh, a blonde roast. Tyler orders first. She's at like a, I'd like a tall blonde roast. She says, we're not brewing that right now. We're out. It would have to be a pour over. He says, that sounds great. I'd love a pour over. She's like, seriously? That's going to take like seven minutes. And we look at each other like, well, seems like you're on the clock because you have your green apron on. So you're going to be here for a minute. We got a two-hour layover. We're all set. Who's going to take a pour over? Then Parker gets up next and says, I'll take a pour over as well. She's like, that's going to take 16 minutes total. And I was like, I don't know. I'm not like a mathematician, but seven plus seven is not 16. And I'm pretty sure if you got all the stuff, we could probably do it in about 10. Like, I'm not, I'm not a barista or anything. Apparently, you're not either because you're really upset <laughs> about what's going on here. And I, I don't handle poor customer service. Well, pray for me. Um, I, just, I just don't do it well. So we're at the table, and I am just, I am just on this, uh, this young girl. I am just, can, you, can you believe her? How rude, how terrible. Does she forget that she's actually getting paid to be here and that we come in with money and she provides a service and that's how this business works. And I am just, I mean, I'm just up and down, just, just frustrated. Can you believe how she treats us? Can you believe? And I kept saying, can you, can you believe? And I was walking away from that Starbucks to our gate, and I believe the Spirit of God spoke to me. He said, you're asking the right question, but you're asking it in the wrong tone. And he said, can you believe is the right question. Can you believe what type of day she must have had to treat you that way? Can you believe how much pain she's walked through in her life to, to see through a filter and to talk to other humans in that way? Can you imagine the depth of her pain and the overflow of that is how she's treating you. And he reminded me of something we've all heard before, that it's hurting people that hurt people. And can I just tell you, if you've accepted the grace of Jesus Christ, you're no longer a hurting person. You can be healed in the name of Jesus. And if we are healed people, we shouldn't, be, we shouldn't treat hurting people with hurt. We should be healed people that help people and not give them back what they give us, but give them back a hope and a and an affirmation and a life-giving nature that I'm not going to give you what you're giving me. No, Jesus died for you. And I can imagine the pain that you're going through. There's just far more than meets the eye when it comes to people. And what if we begin to not look at how they're treating us, but what's going on on the inside and begin to treat them differently because of it? They are hurting. They don't need to be reminded of that. They need to be reminded that healing is available in the name of Jesus Christ. I want to close with this thought. Genesis 9, most theologians believe that Noah would not have been in a tent. He would have actually been in a cave. Coming off the ark and, and what would have been going on in, in, the, uh, in the area, he would have actually probably been in a, in a mountainous cave. He would have been in a, in a dark place, in the shadows of a cave. And what his sons did is they, they went in full of honor with a robe and backed in looking the other way and they met their father in the shadows and they covered him there. They didn't expose him there. And I believe they reminded him of the rainbows of God, that God gave him a rainbow that says, I'm not gonna destroy you, that I have a plan for your life, that there is something better. This flood's not gonna destroy you. This trial's not gonna destroy you. There's something better for you. And can I just tell you, Connect Church, that's our job as Christians, not to 
hurt people that hurt us, not to abuse people that abuse us, not to repay evil for evil, but repay evil for good. Healed people help people, and we meet them in the shadows of their sin, and we meet them in the shadows of their addiction, and we meet them in the shadows of their pain, and we point them to the rainbows of God. Sometimes for the first time, sometimes it's reminding them of what God has done in their past and what he has done in their family, reminding them of what he's done in your own life and saying, that's not who you are. You are not defined by that mistake. You are defined by the cross and we cover them and we help them heal and we point them back to the path that Jesus has for their life. Let's honor people. Let's make a decision today to treat people differently because of how Jesus Christ treated us. Do you believe that this morning? Let's do this. Every head bowed, every eye closed all across the room. God, we love you so much. I thank you that your word is living and active, that it's not just an old book that we read, but that if we will apply it to our life, it can change us. I believe that you're doing that this morning. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody's looking around. We talked about treating people differently. We talked about the value that people have. Some of you in this room need to receive that value today. You are going to understand for the very first time how valuable you are to God. I believe even right now the Holy Spirit is speaking to you comforting you, giving you a new hope, a peace, a dream inside. Your, your heart's even beating a little bit faster. You know that today is the day that you are going to surrender your life and you are going to receive what Jesus did. You may be saying, Justin, I, I want to treat people differently. I want to help the hurting. I want to honor up. I want to honor around. I want to honor down. Well, Connect Church, you can't give something away that you don't possess. And until you're healed, and restored and, and full of the, the, the power of God, you, you can't give away that healing to anybody else. I want to give that opportunity right now to receive the gift of salvation, to receive your healing from your past, to receive Jesus and never be the same. If that's you today and you say, Pastor Justin, I, I, I want that relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe for, it's for the very first time. You've never walked an aisle, prayed a prayer, raised your hand. Today is your day of salvation. Or maybe you're like me. At 19 years old, I, I, I recommitted my life. I had lived this tug of war life. I had never surrendered. I had a little bit of the world and a little bit of Jesus. And you would say, today is the day that I accept everything that Jesus Christ did for me. I receive my value so that I can then value other people. I'm recommitting my life today. Jesus, you are the Lord of my life. For the first time, or maybe for the first time in a long time. Today, you want to confess Jesus as Lord. Would you slip your hand up so I could pray for you? I want Jesus. I got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Anybody else? Got you in the back, sir. What a moment. So proud of you. Got you right there, back middle, man. Couple right here, third row. So proud of you. Right here, left side. What a moment. Everything's changing. Why don't we do this? Why don't we pray this prayer? out loud together, corporately. And those of you that raised your hand, I, I believe that everything is about to change. There's no power in these words. The power is in the decision that you're making to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Would you pray this? Say, God, I love you. And God, I thank you for saving me. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner saved only by your grace. And I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that you are Lord. And I give you that place, complete and total control. God, have your way 
in my life. God, I pray for all of us. I pray for all of my friends. I pray for everybody in this room that we would be a group of people that would choose to honor. Now that we are healed, we are whole, we are walking your path, that we would meet people in their pain and we would point them to you. Let us honor up. Let us honor around. Let us honor down. Let us honor publicly and privately. Let us begin to cover weaknesses and let us genuinely honor and love people in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Church, can we celebrate the 12 or 13 hands just went out? Come on, really celebrate them this morning.